EU Futures Podcast, a project of the Center for the Study of Europe at Boston University. Welcome to the EU Futures Podcast, exploring the emerging future in Europe. I'm Olya Yordanian, an EU Futures Project Coordinator at BU Center for the Study of Europe. Today is March 5th, and I talk to European architects Paul Esteve and Bernard Dubois. So I am Paul Esteve, I'm uh, an architect uh, and I'm a teacher and a researcher. Uh, I have a studio, I'm co-founder of a studio called Gotch, which is in between Barcelona and London. Uh, I'm a teacher in the Architectural Association, uh, in a design studio and uh, also in history and theory. And I'm a researcher in the Barlett University College of London uh, on a topic related with technology and space. Uh, my relationship with uh, Europe is that uh, I've been developing, along with uh, Bernard de Bois, uh, a workshop, uh, like a research project uh, in Brussels, which is within the program of the Visiting Schools of Architecture Association, which is looking at the capacity of architecture to play a role in the representation of supranational political bodies, and in particular the European Union. And I'm Bernard Dubois, I'm an architect based in Brussels. Uh, I have my own studio in Brussels called Bernard Dubois Architects, uh, where I do uh, various kinds of uh, projects. I have been a co-curator of the Belgian Pavilion at Venice Biennale in 2014, and uh, I'm doing this uh, AA visiting school together with Paul Estève um, on the EU institutions. What is the future emerging in Europe? Um, future emerging in Europe in general. Um, yeah, well, I think the, uh, it has been described um, a few times in the conference we just uh, attended in the European uh, Conference. Uh, this, the white paper from the from the um, European Commission describing all the different kinds of integration that uh, Europe could uh, could have either federal state either some countries going faster uh, either doing less or more efficiently um, we don't know personally how the future of Europe is going to look like but I think it really depends on some very key um, some very key um, votes that are going to happen um, pretty soon uh, in France and uh, in Germany, uh, for example, that we're looking to uh, very closely and that could really affect the future of the whole Europe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think it's a, a very crucial moment in the constitution of the European uh, Union uh, for the fact that there is a moment of uh, thinking what is the equilibrium or the relationship in between what could be a supranational body and uh, still uh, national-based governments. Uh, I think it, it's this relationship, in fact, what is in, in stake right now, uh, because many discourses at this moment uh, in different uh, political contexts in Europe are articulated around this question, what is the question of identity or preserving certain rights within uh, the nation-states, or, in fact, of uh, trying to uh, constitute a much larger political body that includes uh, former historical identities within a single uh, political project. I think this is crucial and because I'm Catalan, maybe, I look at it from the point of view of the role of the regions 
and I think the regions have like a very important, uh, let's say, role to take in this process, maybe uh, becoming uh, much more important uh, in the way decisions are taken within the European community and not everything being decided through the nation states. Uh, so I guess there is these layers at this moment that need to be rearticulated, which is the region, uh, the state and the supranational body, uh, which is like the, the big question for which I don't have any answer, I would say, but uh, I think is where the, the, the observation or the research should go to, you know, like how to rearticulate this, these levels of, the, of these positions of power and uh, political articulation. Uh, yeah, I wanted to say that being being Belgian as well, I also have a, a different relationship to uh, nation states. And um, Belgium is a federal state now, and there's three three different regions. And I also believe that the nation state uh, level is one level amongst others now, and it should be considered the most important. Mm -hmm. uh, our identities are really mixed, and they depend on many things, and uh, they're not. Uh, they're not uh, depending only on the nation state and the difficult point nowadays is that um, with the upcoming elections the upcoming national elections in uh, important countries uh, such as uh, Germany and, uh, and France um, some of the candidates uh, talk about Europe in not such a positive way and for them it's a way to um, to uh, to to not be responsible of anything that happens in the country and say it's always the fault of uh, of Europe and put all the blame on Europe and it's a really easy way to get elected and we have exactly the same problem in Belgium like some sometimes uh, some people get elected at the regional level uh, blaming the um, federal Belgian state for everything and uh, that's where makes it difficult to to govern mm -hmm. somehow so we need some uh, some positiveness in the in the landscape now. Mm -hmm. You talked a little bit about the identity, which is a very important topic mm -hmm. in Europe. What do you think did the European Union succeed in building a European, a common European identity for 500 million people who live in Europe? Mm -hmm. Well, I think the identity is very um, difficult and important point. The, the thing is that we don't speak the same language, so many uh, many people don't totally identify to Europe for that reason because they identify more with their language, uh, their language group. Um, but I think that when we go outside Europe or when we travel or when we notice how it works in other uh, countries or continent, we notice that we have more in common than what we think, that we share a certain amount of, uh, of values that need to be um, they need to be expressed. But the, the failure somehow of the European Union to create identity is also due to the fact, um, to the way it developed, because it developed after the Second World War and it developed in, uh, in a context where nationalism has created the horrors uh, um, of the war, but nationalism was still very present. And they had to build Europe in a very quiet way and not going against the nation state somehow. And now we reach a point of integration that we need to really face this identity uh, question and really kind of try to create uh, a common identity. And we believe that the buildings and the institutions, uh, the institutions building and the way they're represented in media play a little role uh, in that, that is actually not so little and that is important 
uh, and that we sh should really address the question of how to express um, how to yeah how to express this mm -hmm. identity through uh, these institutions basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think what is identify. Mm -hmm. mm. I think what is crucial as well uh, when talking about identity is that we cannot think of creating a new identity for Europe as uh, it will be a national identity. So we cannot use the same instruments that the traditional national states used in order to create an identity or a patriotism or a feeling of belonging within a political community of a nation state. So the instruments that they were used traditionally are not working anymore for the new generations because also, and I think we are both, I will consider young, uh, we create our identities already through a much more uh, diffuse, let's say, uh, set of technologies that allow us to understand who we are. So the fact that we are using internet, for instance, the fact that we have uh, profiles online, uh, the fact that we exchange information that go beyond the national boundaries, that, that we consume also culture that come from outside of national boundaries, all these different facts construct identities that go beyond the traditional understanding of the geographical limit of what will be an identitarian question. Uh, and Europe, I think, uh, needs to deal with that. And uh, in fact, I will say that there ex already exists kind of a European identity within the younger generations, that maybe it's based on the fact of the exchange and the fact of the possibility of uh, communicating, let's say, or uh, being able to find like points in common with different traditional uh, cultural identities of the different countries. And this possibility of uh, overlapping, let's say, or juxtaposure, or let's say even friction, for me becomes more part of the ethos of the identity of Europe than in fact trying to find a static identity or a much more um, defined, let's say, way of uh, culturally uh, classify people. No? So it's, uh, I would say maybe the identity uh, should come out of... Uh, of this movement or if this exchange of uh, this space, let's say, for confrontation. What is the role of citizens mm -hmm. in actually um, shaping the future of Europe, going beyond just participating in elections and casting their votes? What do you think? What's the role of Europeans in having an influence? Mm -hmm. Uh, well, obviously, uh, we have uh, a strong influence, even if there are some aspects of the functioning of the European Union that could be reconsidered in terms of making it more transparent, more um, direct in terms of participation. Uh, when you choose the government of your own country, you're already uh, influencing on what's going to happen in Europe. Uh, I think... Um, what Bernard was commenting about the language is not only a question of how do you create identity, but it's a question also on how do you create a common discourse of participation, because it's very difficult to create synergies in uh, engaging with particular uh, policies, let's say, if you don't have a common language that can distribute uh, somehow that message. Uh, I think that's what makes somehow participation or engagement with the European project a bit difficult because you cannot have like a clear uh, face, let's say, uh, which becomes as a sign of a discourse that can spread the same message all around Europe. Uh, obviously, there is different ways of engaging. That was debated as well yesterday in, in different panels. Uh, however, I think the, we cannot be activists all the time because uh, we have other jobs to do. No? Uh, being an activist is interesting, but sometimes uh, you have to be an activist from uh, your own duties, let's say. No? You, you, have, uh, you are always a political person. You cannot uh, not be a political person. But however, participating in 
actual politics uh, happens through very specific moments in, in time, which are elections or process of participation that are articulated through the institutions. Uh, I think they should be a bit more transparent and definitely they will have or they should have like a, a way of expressing a common message all through the different uh, regions of Europe and finding a way of uh, uh, overcoming, let's say, the, the limits of the language, which yeah. I find uh, quite uh, difficult at the moment. There's also a lack of uh, visibility of uh, European matters in mainstream media in general, which is also due, I think, to the interest of the media in the European uh, matters, basically. Uh, not because it's not transparent, mm -hmm. but just because uh, people don't express their interest and you really need to look for it in order to to find the, the, um, the information. And um, I think uh, regarding uh, election and regarding the role of the citizens, in the traditional way in the in the European Union. Um, citizens are participating, they're voting directly uh, for the European mm -hmm. Parliament. Also na uh, nation states are participating through uh, the Council and, and uh, Commission as well. So this is, EU is a democratic uh, tool, but that is not well understood by the citizens. Mm -hmm. And many citizens don't know exactly how to use it and, uh, and should be a bit more interested in, the, mm -hmm. in those tools. Because I think still, the, for instance, when you vote for the European Parliament, uh, uh, what happened somehow is that the discourse of the uh, political parties that want to vote the European Parliament stays as a national discourse. And it's very difficult for people to grasp, for instance, who, uh, with who or with which other parties your national parties are going to group within the European Parliament. And it's quite uh, paradigmatic, for instance, that in Spain, the two parties that supposedly are antagonistic in a national level become part of the same uh, group in the European Parliament. And I don't think people uh, have the information or it's not debated uh, openly enough how, in fact, uh, the discourse that is used for the elections in a national level is then translated in actions within the parliament and the articulation of the different parties in the groups and how they develop the policies. It's too, uh, I would say, far away and it's not uh, really well communicated. They, uh, they use the boundaries of the national uh, media, let's say, to just give a discourse there that then later is not exactly what is happening in the parliament. And I think that's the problem. Is not how do you distribute messages, which are the media for distributing this message, which is the language, because it's very easy to just use the national television with a particular language and close up the discourse in that territory. And I think that's what becomes uh, sometimes problematic because it's not, uh, I would say, transparent enough or uh, clear enough in terms of expressing things that uh, happen beyond the, the boundary of your country. Yeah, mostly all mainstream debate, uh, mainstream public debate happens mm -hmm. in a national uh, level, level mm -hmm. and not European for main, uh, most citizens. That's a very interesting thought mm -hmm. because it seems the European Union really needs to try to, in this age of inform information, try mm -hmm. to address, to reach to its to its citizens mm -hmm. directly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I think yeah, the, the language uh, issue is, is extremely important in, in that regard because you, if people don't speak the same language, you cannot directly uh, reach, reach them um, 
somehow but i think i think younger generation now uh, are speaking more languages and things are more shared and more mixed and mm -hmm. as paul was saying identities uh, relate to many different things uh, nowadays and i think younger generations are really ready to uh, to uh, to hear like common messages and mm -hmm. to bring the the debate at a european uh, level but mm -hmm. i think it takes it really takes time and uh, and, and and yeah and it takes a few generations so i think european union is is not uh, old it's actually young and uh, it's probably uh, it's probably going to be more integrated mm -hmm. and more easily mm -hmm. in, in future generations I but mean, that's uh, what i hope mm -hmm. yeah i think uh, the european union is facing a, a radical transformation of reality that happened through technology in the last uh, 20 years and uh, and i think this is crucial in many, many different levels, no? from the how do you construct an identity that obviously has been affected by these new technologies, but also how do you construct a political discourse, and also how do you deal with uh, distribution, both of goods and information. And Europe is a split. There is a generation who engage and grow up with all these tools, and a full generation that are completely detached, let's say, critical or, I would say, distanced from this understanding of living, producing, and also understanding yourself as a subject and a citizen. And this is a, a very important problem at this moment, because how can you reconcile these two parts of Europe? That I wouldn't say that these two parts of Europe is a more rich or a less rich, uh, or it's a, you know, like a right or left. But I think, to a great extent, is a Europe that participated of certain uh, understanding of the new possibilities of communicating, working, uh, and also constructing yourself, and another Europe that is still uh, somehow uh, established or articulated through the uh, traditional understanding of the, the geographical limits, the, the national boundaries, the language, the culture of a particular region, etc. No? So what do you think, what's the role of artists, writers, people who, who create, creative people, in helping others to shape the future of mm -hmm. Europe. First of all, imagine a future and then helping to make that happen. Mm -hmm. I think it's it's there's um, somehow a lack of identity and, and, and sense of belonging in the in the in the for example in the film industry and those kind of things. Like very few films, for example, show um, the way people live in uh, in the European Union and the way they are mixed and everything, or show the the way a uh, European Union functions. For example, like uh, House of Cards in the in the in the US really shows how it works. And although it shows it, uh, it shows like corrupt people getting into power. It doesn't destroy the idea of the institution. Like the insti it helps understanding the institution. And if we had more of these initiatives uh, among Europeans. Um, like private initiatives of making this kind of uh, of uh, TV shows or uh, TV series or or, uh, or films, etc., we would be have more a feeling of belonging somehow, uh, and yeah, to this level of power. Well, I, I think from the point of view of architecture, because we're architects, definitely it needs to be thought how do you represent the institutions or how architecture has a role. Uh, to also define the spaces in which uh, this new understanding of making politics and, and this new understanding of what is the identity can be represented and performed. And uh, that's a crucial 
aspect. We are, I think we as architects are there to to propose new ways of using space and understanding space and looking at space. Uh, our project somehow is uh, about that, no? observing the spaces of the institutions in, in the capital of Europe, that it's Brussels, and, um, and trying to identify what is powerful, interesting, poetic there, that maybe it's not uh, regarded no? or it's not taken in consideration. Because even if many things could be changed, even uh, if obviously we can be critical with many aspects, there are other aspects that are working. And it's also part of, uh, I think, uh, the duty of the artist or however you want to call it, no? someone who works more from, from the cultural side, to, to identify and bring poetics into what's happening so people can engage and generate an effect uh, towards uh, the institutions, the policies and and the construction of Europe as a, as a body. No? What kind of future would you like to see in Europe? Well, I would, <laughs> <laughs> I would like to see a, a future that is um, more integrated uh, uh, with uh, solidarity and uh, mm-hmm. mixity and diversity everywhere and on all levels and with like freedom of, uh, <laughs> of you know of movement and equality for for everyone basically and and I would like to see uh, a strong a strong Europe which would be able to defend its values uh, in a world that is uh, changing and that is very um, multipolar now and I think the size of Europe um, is a great tool to to help it defend its value if it if it manages to speak in one voice regarding the, uh, regarding, uh, the outside uh, external politics and also, um, uh, also regarding internal uh, politics, for example, uh, uh, having common budgets and, and, and common politics. Um, yeah, that's what I would like to see in Europe. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a difficult question. <laughs> um, I would say I would like to see obviously a prosperous Europe and a Europe that uh, defends the human rights in all levels. That's uh, definitely what uh, I would think should be the aim, uh, that it's inclusive uh, and also that uh, tries to fight, uh, let's say, or not fight, but uh, think and articulate in the best way uh, all these new forces of distribution of goods, information, uh, and also people, let's say, that are very, very challenging. And how to balance, I will say, these, uh, these new agents that have like a very large scale, let's say, uh, to provide a distribution of richness that it's fair. It's a, it's a very challenging uh, question, and I would like to see Europe uh, particularly uh, dealing with this no? and resolving it. So uh, there is no uh, struggle in between the citizens and these macro structures that somehow start to dominate the way things, people uh, and also information is distributed. Is there anything I didn't ask you about but you have thoughts about the future and you would like to share? (laughs) Um, Well, I think related with the question of of the regions and because I'm Catalan, I think it's very, very important to, to tackle the question on which is the the critical dimension of population and territory that can be identified as a, an independent body. I don't know if it's a nation, I don't know if it's a country, or I don't know exactly what's the word uh, that can qualify it, but definitely I think it's a question on how do you allow 
citizens to decide what is the critical amount of citizens and geographical space that needs a particular government to feel represented. I think this is going to be a question in the development of Europe because, as I was saying, the regions are important and it's a way also uh, to preserve the cultural richness and differences within Europe, which is another, I would say, uh, uh, cultural standpoint that needs to be uh, taken into consideration. And it's uh, very challenging because obviously the, the laws and uh, some of the rules that uh, uh, permit to govern the territories of Europe since uh, the contemporary times uh, are quite inflexible uh, in order to, to face these challenges, I would say. Thank you so much mm-hmm. for your time and this interesting conversation. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Futures Podcast, a project of the Center for the Study of Europe at Boston University, funded by a Getting to Know Europe grant from the European Commission Delegation in Washington, D.C.